0: This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. Advent is a season, the four Sundays preceding Christmas, when churches all around the world set aside time to prepare our hearts to fully celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And so this year during Advent at Christian Chapel, we've been exploring what it means for Jesus to come as the light of the world. And talking about how his, when his light shines into our darkness, it always leads us into experiences of life. And this morning, we're going to take some time and talk about how sometimes that light shines in unexpected ways at unexpected times when, when we have no awareness, no desire really at all for his light to shine. And other times, Jesus' light shines when we are actively seeking it out. Uh, but but either way, an experience of the light of Christ is designed to lead us into the life of Christ. This is what Jesus tells us about himself in John chapter 8. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 2 this morning. We're going to look at two stories. First in Luke 2, we'll see the story of the shepherds teaches us about the, the unexpected light of Christ. And then we'll flip over to uh, Matthew chapter 2 and see what the story of the wise men teaches us about the, you know these seasons of life where we are searching for the light. And how in both instances, whether we are looking or we're not looking, Jesus shows up and he shines his light into our life. So Luke chapter 2, it says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, the, the shepherds are not unlike you and me. They would go to work each day and especially each evening hoping that there would be no disruptions. You know, we generally don't enjoy it when things don't go according to our plan because for every uh, one time where that surprise is awesome and incredible and life-changing, feels like we get dozens if not hundreds of other times where the disruption is difficult, stressful, and not at all what we had planned for the day. When we hear the story of the shepherds, our, our initial thought is, man, how awesome would it have been to be there that night, to be the ones for whom that the angels literally broke out of heaven to announce that Christ has come. But as we, we consider the content of the angels' announcement, we can see how perhaps it wasn't quite as um, exciting for the shepherds, and, and maybe it's not quite as exciting for you and I today as we initially think it would be. You know, those, those moments of disruption that are, that are good, that lead us to just these really fun experiences, they, they don't happen as often as we would like. I was thinking about, uh, you know, my life and, and trying to think of how many times have I been completely and utterly surprised by something that turned out awesome? And how many times have I been completely and utterly surprised by something that turned out to be a little bit stressful? And, and me, like many of you, I'm sure I had a lot more stories and examples in the stressful pile than I had in the awesome pile. Right. And, and so I was thinking, what, what are some of those moments? So I remembered one of those, those really great moments was, uh, let's see, probably about six years ago. Uh, Angie and I had taken our family over to Oklahoma City for a Thunder game. We were sitting in our usual seats where we are closer to the, the roof than we are to the floor. Um, my youngest, my youngest little girl, she was about three years old at the time and her view of Thunder games, movies, pretty much everything at that time of life was uh, that this was an excuse to go to a concession stand, right? And so we get her through maybe the, the first quarter by trying to delay her of, no, 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 we'll we'll go spend $20 on overpriced popcorn and popping candy in a little bit. But eventually she wears me down, so I take her out. She's her me, we're standing in the concession line. I'm holding her, uh, kind of evaluating, am I gonna send Audrey to college or am I gonna buy her popcorn at the Thunder Game? Because it seems like it's gonna cost about the same amount. And uh, while we're standing there, this guy walks up to us. He's got on the Thunder polo shirt. He's got on the, the khaki pants. He's got on the little headset that a lot of them wear. And he walks up to me and says, excuse me, sir, would you like to uh, shoot down on the court in the third quarter for one of our contests? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I can do that or I can just suit up and play on the team. Whatever you need me to do. I'm here. I'm willing. I'm ready to go. Um, he's like, no, 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 just just the contest. So I said, perfect. He's like, all right, if you got any kids that want to come down with you, go grab them and then meet me out here. I'll take you down to the tunnel. You'll watch the whole third quarter courtside." side. And uh, so I, I go up and I, I tell my boys, ask Audrey, you want to go? She's like, I got popcorn. Why would I leave? So she stays there. Me and the boys go down. Court side. So, so we go from the worst seats to the best seats in the house. I go out, do the little, do the little contest. I smoked the other dude that I'm in a free throw contest with, just destroyed him. And then, I uh, had a chance to shoot the, the $20,000 half court shot and airballed it. Um, you know, but. It didn't matter. Like the whole experience had been so much fun for me and the boys getting to hang out, see it up that close, right? It was that like, yes, this is awesome. I will take those kind of disruptions any day, every day, all day long. The other side though, there's those moments in life where you wake up and you've got one plan, you know what's going to happen, and then everything goes wrong, right? When I was in college, I mean, literally thinking of which story do you pick? There's hundreds to choose from in my life of I had this plan and then all this stuff went wrong and happened. I was in, in college and Angie and I just recently got married and I had a meeting at, at on campus on a Saturday morning for this little uh, committee I was serving on. My job that day uh, was to get donuts. You know, it tells you how much they valued my input on the committee. Like, hey, you just show up with the donuts. We'll take care of all the real stuff. So, so I know the donut shop at that time, uh, back in the old days, only took cash. So I had to go find an ATM machine, took a different route to school, driving through a bank parking lot I'm unfamiliar with. It's raining. It's early on a Saturday. I'm driving like this, looking left at the building. And suddenly, my horn is going off. The cab of my truck is filled with smoke and uh, my face burns. And I, I, I look up to realize I have driven directly into the only light pole in the entire parking lot. And not a little bit, like curved my bumper around it, which was bad enough, but was even worse because the teller in the drive-thru watched the whole thing, got on the intercom and said, sir, are you okay? I decided this, this day did not go at all how I had planned. Like not only are they not getting donuts, but I've got to figure out like, I, you know, first time in life of making those insurance calls and all this kind of stuff. I remember calling my dad like, you know, so proud of myself. I'm independent. I'm married. I'm going to school. Like I got in a wreck. What do I do? I uh, feeling like an idiot, you know, and, and so my, my whole day and honestly the next, next couple weeks kind of just blew up in our face. And, and you've had those moments too. Now for the shepherds, most of us think this announcement of Jesus would be the first kind of reception, right? It's me at the thunder game. The yes, this is awesome. Let's go. Let's get it. And, and ideally that's how we all respond when Jesus is revealed that we're just kind of going through life. We're doing our thing. The light shines and our immediate response is yes, let's go. Let's follow Jesus. This is going to be new. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be incredible. But the, the unexpected nature of the announcement to the shepherds is not just how the angels show up. It's not just that the, the night goes from dark to light. It's not just that there's this chorus of angels, but it's also in who they describe Jesus to be. They say that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And it's in the description of who Jesus is that many of us uh, begin to switch our experience of that surprise. And it goes from, yes, this is great, to, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Because if Jesus comes as a Savior, it means that there is something I need to be saved from. And if he comes to deliver me from my sins, then it means I have to acknowledge that I have sinned. If he comes to lead me from death to life, then I have to acknowledge that all of my plans and all of my paths have led me into experiences of death and destruction. See, the the Christmas story often can kind of get sentimentalized down into, it's just sweet baby Jesus. But but the Christmas story is just as instrumental to the gospel as the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus coming as our Savior is God's resounding announcement that we are broken, helpless, hopeless, and dead without him. It's him making a statement of this world is so bad that the only hope is that I descend, I become like them so that they can one day become like me. Jesus as our Savior is one of the most offensive elements of the gospel because it forces us to admit we can't save ourselves. It forces us to admit that no matter how good we think we are, deep inside there is a brokenness that we can never resolve. And perhaps the only thing more offensive than Jesus as our Savior is him as our Lord. The fact that Jesus comes as Messiah to the shepherds, they know what that means. It means Jesus is going to come and he's going to restore the throne of David. He's going to restore the prominence of Israel, right? So there's this kind of national pride that would have welled up within them of, yes, this is great. But then the angel also says he's also going to be your Lord. He's not just coming to save you. He's not just coming to rule your nation, but he's coming to rule every single part of your life. And when Jesus is revealed as Lord to us, it's when that unexpected light can suddenly seem almost too bright. And we, we tend to turn away from it. We tend to shy away from these claims of it's one thing for him to save me, to forgive me, to kind of help me feel better and, and move me into light. It's another thing for Christ to come and say, I am the Lord of every single aspect of your life. There is no space, there's no place where you get to retain control. You surrender it all to me. So I'm going to affect the way you think about yourself, the way you talk to other people, the way you relate to people, the way you do business, the way you raise your kids, the way you spend your money, every every ounce of your time, every ounce of your energy, all of this now belongs to me. And there is a natural rejection that rises up in many of us when we see Christ as our Lord. Because at our core, what most of us want is we want to be the one who is Finally and perfectly in charge of our lives. All right, I'm okay with Jesus being your Lord, being in charge over here, being in charge over there, but I've got my kingdom and I've got things under control. And so the, the announcement to the shepherds is not just that a baby has been born, but it's that your Savior has come, He's come to save you, and He's come to rule. And these things can be difficult for us to understand. And, and the temptation then is when the, the angels come or the light shines in your life, however God reveals Jesus to you, the temptation is going to be you react in fear instead of faith. And you're, you're going to kind of take that fight or flight posture and say, well, I'm just going to run away from this because it's too much, or I'm going to get defensive and I'm going to start to fight back about, I don't need to be saved. I don't need someone to rule over me when the light shines into our darkness, the best thing we can do is follow the example of the shepherds. They're there, it's overwhelming, it's unexpected. This was not at all what they had plotted out for that night. It is highly unlikely that they sat around that campfire eating dinner that night thinking, maybe tonight is the night the angel chorus shows up and tells us that the Messiah is finally here. It wasn't anywhere on their radar. And yet God in his sovereignty chose that particular night, that particular place. In our lives, he does the same thing. And there are seasons where we're not expecting it at all. You're stuck in the middle of an addiction and thinking, there's no way God would even want any part of me right now. And suddenly his light shines in and he shows you, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm going to set you free and you're going to be completely and totally free. You're you're just trucking along in your life and everything seems good. Everything seems wonderful. You're achieving the things you wanted to achieve. And suddenly there's a night, there's a moment where God's light shines in and he's showing you everything you've built your life on is temporary and fleeting. And you have these deep, unsettling questions of what is the point of any of this? And in those moments when the light breaks through unexpectedly, our response should be like the response of the shepherds. We just kind of hang out in that space we give our eyes, we give our hearts time and space to adjust to the light. And then we begin to listen to the message of the light and we begin to respond to it. See, that the shepherds teach us that Jesus always breaks through the darkness. And you don't even have to be looking for it. He's not waiting on you, but he's acting in your life on your behalf to reveal himself to you as the way, the truth, and the life. The one who comes to break every chain, the one who comes to save you, deliver you, and rule over you, not with an iron fist, but with a loving hand, and to lead you into a path of life. Shepherds are a wonderful example to us of it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing. When God decides it's time for the light to shine in your life, it's going to shine so brightly that you cannot deny it. On, on the other side of that, you can flip over to Matthew chapter 2 and, and you can read about the wise men. Now, if the shepherds are uh, an example of it reacting to an unexpected light, the wise men are an example of people who are searching the night for a light. Right? The, you find yourself in a season where, where you have kind of realized, man, th- there's just got to be something more out there. There's got to be truth. There's got to be a meaning to life. There's got to be something more significant than the things I'm currently giving my life to. And if you find yourself in, in that space, that season this morning, then the wise men are a tremendous encouragement and a tremendous example to you. You can read in Matthew chapter 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. But before we can really understand what the the magi teach us, we have to understand who they were. They came from the east, Matthew says. Now, several hundred years before Jesus was born, the nation of Israel was conquered and they were taken off into captivity, into exile. And so their, their conquerors came and they took the best and the brightest from the Jewish people and they hauled them off back to the east. While they were in exile, they settled in, they began to live, they began to work, they began to prosper, and they began to interact with the the leaders and the rulers of those kingdoms. The magi that we find in the story of Jesus were most likely uh, some combination of government consultants, wise men, and religious leaders. They would have made it their business to uh, learn not only the ways of the Jews, but the ways of all of the people that they had conquered. And they looked to the sky to find signs that would help them discern the path forward for their king and for their prosperity. And so God, in his sovereign wisdom, enables the wise men to learn the stories of the Jews. They learn the prophecies. They learn that one day a king will come who will rule over the Jews, who will restore their fortunes, restore their standing. And they've learned all of this and in the process of them looking to the skies to divine the the best path forward for their king, they see a sign that says to them, the king is born in Israel. And so they begin to work, they begin to move towards it. And, And what the wise men first teach us is that when you're seeking truth, God will speak to you in a language that you understand. Right? So, so if you're in that space this morning of, I don't know what's true, I don't know if there's a larger meaning, I don't know if there's a deeper significance, my encouragement to you is keep seeking, and, and you can trust God's going to speak to you in a language you understand. The magi, the wise men, they were astrologers. They looked to the sky for answers, and so God spoke to them in the sky. Right? The, the shepherds were not wise men. The shepherds, if God had shown that star to them, would have responded like many of you and, and, and I would have, of well, that's bright, and then moved on with their day, right? But the, the, the wise men, they're looking to the sky, and so what that means for you is it means when you're looking, God's going to speak in a language you understand. You love the outdoors. He's going to speak to your heart through nature. He's going to begin to open it up. You love music. You love to read. You love conversations. He's going to speak to you. The, the unique way he's wired your brain is how he's going to talk to you. You know, God is, I've heard some of you tell me like, man, I was reading my physics textbook and I just really felt like God started to speak to me. I've never had that experience. I will never have that experience because that's not a language I understand, right? But if that's how God's wired you and if that's where he's led you, that's how he's going to speak to you. And so it makes sense to the wise men. It makes sense to the point that they're willing to pack up, go on a 900 mile journey to see where this star will lead them. They arrive in Jerusalem, and, and that's kind of the, the point of like, they're, they're like, well, what's next? And, in, and it points us to a, a, an important thing to consider. When we're seeking for truth, God will speak to us through nature, through music, through books, through conversations, through all of these types of things. But all of God's revelation is ultimately going to lead us to Jesus. And his revelation of Jesus is always going to be found in the scriptures. And so the, the wise men come into Jerusalem, and they're basically saying, hey, we're, we're looking for the king This is when the star showed up, we know he was born, can you help us find him? And so they they go to Herod, Herod turns to the religious leaders of Jerusalem, and it says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler... Who will shepherd my people Israel? Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. See, when God speaks to us in a language we understand, he's doing that to get us to a point where we will turn to the scriptures and find his specific and divine revelation of who he is and who Jesus is. That, that kind of general revelation of God, the way he speaks through nature, through music, through the events and circumstances of our life, it's always intended to get you to the point where you begin to ask questions about who is Jesus, what is God's plan, and following that path. God, God does not speak to us in these general revelation moments so that we can do whatever we want, but he speaks to us in those ways to get us on a path where we will discover what he wants. And what he wants is always for us, To find Jesus. So we're we're heading into Christmas. Many of you are gonna, you're either traveling to visit family, you're gonna have family visit you, you're going to go visit different friends, see people you haven't seen in a while. And and undoubtedly, in many circumstances, you're gonna interact with some people who are searching. They're searching for truth, they're searching for meaning. Some of them grew up in the church and and then decided along the way, hey, this isn't for me anymore. I don't know that I believe all that stuff about Jesus, and now they're on a they're on a new path, they're trying to find it. and there's, there's a temptation for us as Christians when we see someone who's searching to look at them and say, stop it, right? Just stop it. I know the truth. Come here, I'll tell you. Do what I do. do just say what I say and then you'll be fine, right? Because at times, honestly, we feel a little bit threatened by it. Like, man, if, if, they, if they reject the things that are true for me, what does that mean for me? But, but let me encourage you. You don't need the affirmation of others to confirm what Jesus has done for you and who God has revealed him to be. When when God has revealed Jesus to you, he shines the light so brightly in your life that you are sure and certain of your identity as God's children. What that also means is it is not our job to defend God in every moment. He's not scared of your friend, your family member's questions about him, so you don't have to be either. And so what we can do in these spaces as followers of Jesus is encourage people, pursue the truth, right? Pursue the truth. Open your heart, open your mind, pursue the truth. Because what we believe, we do not believe that all roads will ultimately lead to God. We don't believe that all roads will ultimately lead to Jesus. But what we believe is that every time somebody walks down a path of searching, at some point, God is going to reveal Jesus to them. So they can chase this philosophy, they can chase this school of thought, they can study this religion, they can go down the road of all of these truth claims, and what we believe as followers of Jesus is multiple times along that path, God is going to reveal Jesus to them. And in every space, they're eventually going to have to answer the question, okay, I know this, but now what about Jesus? I know this, but what about the one who claimed to come from God, who lived, who died, who claimed a resurrection, whose followers believe his spirit now dwells in them? What about that? And it's in that space where where we as followers of Christ confidently believe when people are openly and authentically seeking truth, God will reveal Jesus to them. He'll speak first in a language that they understand, and then he'll begin to confirm those messages with the scriptures, and we can join in that process with them, encouraging them, celebrating with them that as you seek, Christ will be revealed to you. And it's, it's just this really beautiful story for the wise men. They didn't know exactly where their journey was going to end, but they knew they had to get started. And it's the same thing for you in your search for truth. You, you might be uncertain, and even this morning, it might be that God is revealing Jesus to you, and you're hesitant because you don't want to jump in with both feet unless you know exactly where it's going to end up. I'd right? like, well, well, God, I've kind of built my own life over here, and if I say yes to Jesus, where is it going to lead me? It, in this space, we're following the example of the wise men. We're just saying the light has, has, is shining, and so I'm going to follow it. I'm going to take the next step. We cannot let an uncertain ending keep us from a certain beginning. Both the shepherds and the wise men knew the light has shined. Now I have to walk in it. I have to walk after it. I have to follow it. Both of them teach us that the, the light comes and this revelation causes a reaction. All right when Jesus is revealed in our life, it always provokes a reaction in us. And the reaction God intends for it to lead, it lead to ultimately in your life is one of worship and surrender. The shepherds go and they find everything just as the angel had said. The wise men eventually find Jesus and they come and they bow before him and they offer their gifts. And and God is leading you and I in the same way. When his light shines, it's not just so that we can appreciate it. It's not just so that we can know he's involved in our life, but it's to provoke a reaction within us. To bring us to a point of decision of the light has shined. It has created a clear boundary with the dark ways I used to live. And now I have a choice to make. Will I continue to walk in the light? Or will I stay in the darkness? And you can you can read exactly, says the shepherd said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The wise men, it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The revelation of the light always leads us into this point of decision, but it's it's not it's not a scary thing, it's not a fear filled thing. It's just a recognition of this is how I was created to live. This is the space where my questions will be answered, this is the space where my soul will find rest. And you can search down every other path in the world, but I firmly believe all of them, no matter how far you go, eventually you're going to have to answer the question, but what about Jesus? He's the only one that promises, hey, I, I came from God. I became like you. I took on all the weight, all the junk, all the trash. I defeated it for you, and now I share my life with you. And even in that space, there there can be a fear at times of, man, you know, especially if you've kind of resisted or pushed back against that light for a long time, there can be this fear of, well, if I say yes to Jesus now, it's just like he's going to rub my face in it and say, see, I was right all along. But Jesus didn't come just so that you would know he was right. He came so that you would know you were loved. He came so you would know, hey, it's not about forcing you to bow on your knee before me and say, fine, you're the Lord, I give up. It's about him coming and wrapping his arms around you and saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, this is your identity, this is life, this is hope, this is love. Too many people are rejecting a false picture of Jesus. You're rejecting a heavy-handed, mean, angry God the Christmas story reminds us, no, 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 he loves you so much that he gives up everything to come down and be among you. He gives up all of his rights, all of his privileges, all of his power. He descends to become like us so that we can become like him, not to rub your face in your mistakes, but to lift your eyes onto the path of life. He comes not to crush you with judgment, but to heal you, to restore you, to remind you of who you are. You are the sons and the daughters of God. Created in his image and created to live the life he's calling you to live. This morning, his light is shining into your life. And for some of you, today's going to be the day you say yes to Jesus for the very first time. For others, his light is shining. You've said yes to him, but there's a corner you're holding on to. There's a space you don't think his freedom can break through. Today, his light is shining in, saying, I'm your Savior. I'm your Messiah. I'm your Lord. I'm your King. Surrender it, and I will bring life and hope and healing and salvation to you. Our response when the light shines is to step into it. In almost every example in the Christmas story from Mary and Joseph to the shepherds and the wise men. When Jesus is revealed, there is movement required from each of the characters. Mary has to accept and move into this new life. Joseph has to accept and make the move to bring Mary home as his wife. The shepherds have to accept and get up from the field and go in to the manger. The wise men have to accept and load up on their journey and set off in pursuit of this star. When the light shines, God always is calling us from where we are to where he wants us to be. as his light shines in your life this morning, he's doing the same thing for you saying, stop being stuck where you are. Stop making excuses for why you can't move forward and just take this next step in my light and you're going to find my life. And as I lead you, I'm going to continue to light the path before you. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for you. God, you see each one of us here. You see the exact condition of our heart, of our mind. Lord, I believe that you hear the objections that are rising up in hearts and minds even now of why this might be good for other people in the room, but it's not true for for this particular person. Lord, I pray right now that your spirit would come in truth and grace and love and begin to shine your light into the darkness. Begin to reveal yourself, not just as the hope of the world, but as the hope of each individual's world here this morning. Jesus be our hope of salvation be our savior who comes to rescue us from our sin and our death Lord we thank you that you might have shined your light in our lives a thousand times and we've rejected it a thousand and yet you come again to reveal Jesus to us in these moments as the way the truth and the life the one who comes to rescue us and deliver us one who comes to rule over us in ways that lead to life, to hope. So Jesus, we come and we lay down our sin, we lay down our doubts, we lay down our objections. And Lord, we commit ourselves to seeking truth. Jesus, as we seek, may we see you and may we be transformed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand with me, the band's gonna lead us in a final song. As they do, if you'd like someone to join with you uh, about personal or specific prayers that you would like prayed in your life, maybe some needs of saying yes to Jesus for the first time, maybe his light is shining and, and you just really need some encouragement to take that step of faith into the light. As we sing this last song, if you'll head out the back doors and to your left, when you head out, you'll see a sign for the prayer room. Go out, take a left. Some of our pastors and prayer team members will be waiting to to pray those personal, powerful prayers with you, that you'll step into the light and and receive the fullness of it. The rest of us, we're going to sing this final song. It's just a a hope, a prayer, a plea that God will come and continue to shine His light into every part of our lives. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.